0: uh, here today to talk to you and to talk about plants, so if you've got any questions that you would like to ask, uh, maybe diagnosis, identification, you can both call us at 979-845-5689 or send me an email with a photo at gardensuccess at gardensuccess at edu Uh, I think everybody right now has a lot on their minds that doesn't have to do with probably going outside and gardening, but there is one thing uh, gardeners have on their minds today, and that's the freeze coming up, and I'm going to be talking about it quite a bit, in fact, probably most of the show uh, off and on. Uh, But uh, when it uh, comes to the holiday season, uh, folks, you know, their minds go elsewhere, and uh, which is natural. Uh, I hope that uh, you as a gardener have uh, thought about some good gifts for gardeners on your list. And there's so many great ones. If you need something last minute, there's... There's uh, gift cards, you know, for for someone to take to a particular uh, horticulture-related business, garden center, or wherever, and uh, that that makes a nice gift, a fun gift for something you need really quick. Uh, but uh, there's also th- such things as tools and whatnot available in the area for those kind of gardeners. Uh, today, I'm going to talk a little bit um, about freezes and freeze protection. The uh, Forecast, I believe, is still around 15 as our lowest low. Uh, but I haven't checked it in the last eight hours or so. Uh, but it doesn't really matter exactly where it goes. That's, that's mid-teens, and that's a pretty darn hard freeze. And for our plants, uh, there's a wide variety of tolerance to cold weather, as you know. Uh, we went through, what, seven degrees? I think officially five was the coldest uh, in the area um, in 2021, February 2021. And uh, it really surprised us—the the uh, plants that survived it. And some of them I didn't think were gonna. Uh, and uh, we've seen a lot of problems since then. I've been paying for it, especially with woody ornamentals that, that suffered tissue damage, and they kept going for a while, but then it just you know eventually got—they uh, collapsed under the demands of summer without adequate water in the soil to begin with. When we look at our plants. Most of the things in your yard are going to do fine at 17. There may be some foliage burn and uh, certainly could happen. But in general, as far as them' surviving, they're, they're probably going to, most things are going to survive. We have a number of marginally hardy plants, and that would be things like a fig tree, uh, things like uh, a, um, a red bird of paradise. Those die to the ground almost completely every year. Uh, Sometimes a little bit of top will survive, but not generally here. Uh, But the roots can be perennial for them. Um, Duranta is another one that can be a little uh, finicky in our normal winters. So 17 is going to be way too much for it. Uh, And then we have various other perennials uh, that naturally die to the ground each year, but may be a little bit um, uh, sensitive to this amount of cold. Uh, the thing to remember about things that are going to die back to the ground is the base of that plant, sometimes we refer to that as the crown of the plant, is where all new growth emerges from. Most plants don't grow from a root somewhere out away from the base of the plant. There are a number that can, but most don't. But protecting that crown is what's important on a cold, cold night. Uh, it's kind of difficult to... to. Um, answer questions about, well, how cold can, fill in the blank, plant take it? And the reason is there's so many variables and so many factors. For example, is the plant weakened going into that cold? Is it drought stress or waterlogged stress or nutrient stressed or root damage stressed or any other thing like that? Uh, so when we talk about plants being able to take it to a certain temperature, that's assuming everything is good, good to go. The other thing is, as we move into the winter season, we hopefully go through some pretty cold snaps before we get to the really hard freezes. And in that process, a lot of our plants prepare for the cold. Uh, you know, they're storing carbohydrates in the case of some plants in the the plant tissues. And uh, then, of course, the, the deciduous ones—the leaves fall off—but they're ready to go. You know, a peach tree, for example, that goes goes dormant at tw- 17 degrees, not going to bother it. But sometimes, the the cold happens suddenly. You know, when we have a fall where uh, we're kind of in the balmy 70s for a long, long time, and all of a sudden, here comes a pretty hard freeze. That's a problem uh, because the plants have not had time to prepare for it. So these variables, the condition, the health of the plant, how we moved into the cold weather, did the plant have time to acclimate and prepare itself, uh, and then also even the age of the plant. A brand new plant, a young plant, a non-established plant uh, may well not hold the, or tolerate the cold like one that's been established. For example, citrus. Our Satsuma citrus tree, which is kind of the main one that we consider uh, viable here, I guess, outdoors, uh, Satsuma, uh, it'll take some cold damage, uh, and pretty often uh, when we look at winter by winter by winter. uh, It doesn't mean every year it's going to have cold damage, but you need to be aware that it's going to have cold damage here. But it's a pretty darn hardy citrus for us. A young satsuma is not going to take a uh, cold, probably this 17 degrees is, is going to be right on the line, if not, in fact, it's it's below the line of what a, a young satsuma could take. Uh, a tree that's been established two or three or four years, that is, you know, ready for it, uh, they've had those go down into the mid to lower teens and, uh, and survive it. Now there's survive, and then there's survive and look good. You know, if all the leaves are frozen off and some of the branches die, uh, that's that's rough. The plant may survive, but that probably isn't acceptable. So those are the factors that we have to enter into the freeze with, and there's some others as well. Uh, but assuming that, I want to talk about some principles for taking care of plants in the cold. Uh, if, if you have a plant that is reasonably hardy, uh, even just a sheet or a blanket over it, can protect that plant in moderate amounts of cold or freezing weather. 17 is going a little bit too far, Uh, but we're going to find out if even a sheet would protect some of these plants because that's what a lot of people are doing. When you protect a plant, a low-growing plant, by throwing a sheet or a blanket over it, just be aware that there's some weight to that. And uh, for some types of plants, maybe it's uh, some of your winter vegetables uh, that that have a structure like a broccoli and whatnot. I mean, you can kind of crush the plant with weight, especially if it's associated with some rain, which adds weight to the cover. uh, And then of course, followed by a freeze. Uh, So you would want something to support that. Uh, In my vegetable garden, I use bent uh, PVC pieces uh, to make an arch down, the entire bed. So imagine a series of PVC hoops going down the bed. I, I tie them together at the top with a, a single PVC also running straight down the top of all those hoops. Uh, and that prevents them from, you know, wobbling left or right. Uh, but then then I cover that. The The ideal situation is to have a cover that extends out from the plant, that it that doesn't just lay on the plant. Uh, when we when we have a, a cover, let's say plastic, and it lays on the plant, that allows for radiant heat to move from the plant faster where it's touching that cover. And as a result, we get burn on those leaves. And now if you're trying to protect a, a nice satsuma you have, uh, some burn on the outer leaves is very tolerable. Uh, that's minimal of any damage. And so it's tolerable. It's just unsightly. Uh, but for other plants, it, it's more of a concern. So that's why I use the hoop, to keep the cover off of the plants. Uh, you don't wanna make it super tall. Uh, if, however big your plant is, make it you know maybe eight inches if it's vegetables or a foot higher than that. Uh, and that creates the opportunity for that plant to get through. The reason covers work is not because they, is not because when you wrap them around a plant, it keeps it warm. Uh, Some people will go out and cover, let's say you have a little tree with a single trunk, they'll cover it up and then they'll bring the cover back to the trunk and wrap it up, or they'll wrap the trunk. And that doesn't really protect the tree very much against cold. It will slow the cooling inside that wrapped, the trunk inside the cover uh, is going to cool down a little slower But it will be essentially in time just as cold underneath there as it is outside there. And the reason is that plants can't produce heat. So if you go out on this 17 degree and you wrap yourself up with blankets, you're going to stay warm because your body is producing heat and the cover is holding that heat in. The heat that we depend on when we cover plants is the soil. That's our number one, our first source of heat. And the ideal situation would be to have some bare soil. Uh, Very seldom you'll hear me say bare soil is a good idea, but this is one when it is. Uh, And so you pull the mulch back. And that way, during the day, even though it's a cold day, the sun's rays are going to heat that soil up a little bit. And you'll find this when you go out and get in your car. If it's a sunny day, and our our hard freeze period is going to be very sunny, they tell us, uh, that shining sun warms up the inside of your car just a little bit. It's nice cold as it was outside, uh, and that will happen to the soil. Then later in the day, you put the cover down, or if it was a clear cover, it was already on because the sun can shine through it. And that holds that radiating heat coming up out of the soil. And it is a significant amount of heat. Uh, there's a lot of radiant activity going on on a cold night. You may have noticed um, on a frosty night, maybe there's a couple of, of um, live oak trees, and uh, you notice that under the tree in the morning, there's no frost. But outside of the tree's canopy, there's frost. And that's because outside, that heat is radiating up, and it, it's just being lost. And so the 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 tissues get cold and the frost forms on them. Underneath the, the tree, uh, the radiant heat is also leaving and going up, but the canopy itself is helping reflect some of that back down or keep it in. And that's why we don't see frost underneath. One of the reasons we don't see frost underneath like a, a, a live oak tree that's an evergreen or mostly evergreen. Uh, and so. That tells us something, and, and we need to harness that soil heat. Uh, even if we don't pull back the mulch to get more heat in the soil, if we just cover it up but don't prevent that warmth from getting to the plant. And here's what I mean. When you wrap it like a landscape lollipop, the rising soil heat just goes around the plant, and you didn't. it doesn't help you much, if any. Uh, when you let the cover drape straight down to the ground, or drape down to the ground, and you cover the edges, then that rising heat is, is more captured inside that area. Now, it's going to cool off. That Just the cover alone is not going to stop it from getting cold in there. But what we're trying to do is not keep it warm under the cover. We're trying to keep the plant from dropping below a temperature that its tissues can tolerate. And so that's going to be different for, for example, a tomato compared to a broccoli. Uh, the tomato can't take any frost. Broccoli can take quite a bit of cold. 17 is too much uh, for your broccoli and other cold crops, especially if they already have heads. The broccoli heads are more cold sensitive than the, the um, uh, plant leaves itself. But anyway, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, that warm, I'll call it warmth, just meaning warmer than a killing temperature uh, for the plant, can make a big difference. So even if we change the temperatures underneath the cover, you know, just two or three degrees in some cases, that makes a difference. But 17, that's, that's a different matter altogether. Uh, just covering a plant is not going to make 17, uh, you know, become 28 degrees or something like that. The next step would be adding a source of heat. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but I just wanted to start with uh, some of those principles. If if you're a if you're kind of a garden nerd, I guess uh, this may be very interesting <laughs> to you. For those of you who don't want to know the details, just tell me what to do. I'll try to tell you what to do uh, as we go through the nerd stuff. Right now I'd like to go to the phones. By the way, our our phone number is 979 979- 845-5689, and you can reach me by email at gardensuccess at edu. Let's go to the phones now and talk to Roger. Hello, Roger.
1: Hello there, Skip. Uh, just a real quick question for you. Yes. Uh, in the spring, I planted a dwarf fig and it uh, did very well over the summer and actually produced a little fruit. It's about 18 inches tall now. Okay. And it's it still got its leaves, but um, which surprises me for a fig tree, or fig bush, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. But now, how do, do I need to protect it at all uh, in this freeze coming up?
0: Okay. Now, the fig is not in a container. It's in the ground, right?
1: It, it's in the ground.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, if if you can cover it, I, w- I would use the P V C hoops as a simple way to do it. Uh if you if you don't use that, uh then just throw a cover over it. But uh make sure that no air can move underneath there. In other words, if you if the edges aren't weighted down well, then the wind and we're gonna get some wind by the way, you know at twenty five degree or so. I mean twenty five mile per hour uh going into this freeze uh and that just displaces it it just takes away all that you accomplished with the cover if air can whip up underneath there Uh, so make sure it's i'll say sealed to the ground if you wanted to take it a step further you could add a source of heat and i'm going to talk about some of those in a moment uh, on the air uh, that would be would be feasible uh, a little tree like that, you know, you don't want to lose it. Uh, as a back-up measure, I would pile up some soil around the base of it because that way, if even if the top was killed, the base would be alive and it'd be resprouting, and you'd be right back in business uh, when things come well, up. i got your up.
1: newspaper deal. I've got your newspaper deal around it.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I would... Um, you know, I would assume that it's going to be okay if you can cover it and provide just a little bit of heat. And then the banking of soil is just an extra. That, that can also be compost. You know, buy a bag of compost and mound it up around the trunk. You know, when we get through the freezing weather, you can pull it away. Just being there for that amount of time isn't going to hurt anything.
1: Okay, and I was going to use a big garbage bag.
0: You, you could do that. Um, you could do that. Uh, also, if you've got one of those big trash cans, like, you know, the old, I, I, the, I always see them as Rubbermaid, but the big gray trash cans, you turn one of those upside down over it, and that makes a great cover. You can buy the equivalent of that in smaller in styrofoam cones at some garden centers, but not big enough for that tree, probably. Uh, probably but,
1: not for, the, for this afternoon, anyhow. Like whatever yeah. I'm going to do, it's going to be this afternoon, like Right as soon as I get through talking to you.
0: Okay, well I'll 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 let you go here pretty quick because you don't want to wait until your hands are freezing off trying to get all that all that done no. outside.
1: You think the garbage bag work okay? I, th-
0: I think the garbage bag will. It's just just get it weighted down really well. Um, okay. The problem with the garbage bag is when you go to an extra source of heat, which I'm going to be talking about in a moment. There's not really room under there to get that heat without creating the potential danger for a fire or some other problem. You know, a garbage bag with a hot light bulb up against it, I don't know. That's not real comfortable with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Certainly um, the light bulb helps, but I don't know. That, That would be one. You know, there are cables too that you can buy that you wrap around pipes to keep them from freezing. You plug them in and uh something like that that was put around you know the base of the trunk and the tree just something for a little bit of warmth down there uh that would be another option
1: will it hurt it if i leave it down there for until the big freeze is over
0: no no it wouldn't and i i probably wouldn't put it like on the trunk but but just like in a circle a donut on the ground around the trunk just to mm-hmm. protect that base and that lower trunk area
1: okay I'll get, get with it.
0: Okay. Well, uh, there's a lot yep. of options, but hopefully uh, you'll get through. Let me know how it goes, too. I'd like to know. Hey, by the okay. way, uh, Roger, was that a Chicago variety of fig, or do you remember what variety it was?
1: Oh, I got it at, uh, at Lowe's. It's, okay. It, it doesn't say Southern Living, um, and all it, all it says about it is it's a dwarf fig. Okay. It give,
0: okay. Okay i was just curious what the variety was that they were selling you as a dwarf so all right well good luck with that and thank okay, you America.
1: happy yeah, new year
0: you too and thank you for the call sure. again our number is 979-845-5689 or by email at gardensuccess at tamu.edu gardensuccess at edu. Uh, Let's see, I was going to talk about now some sources of heat. So, we've talked about the principle of of how we protect a plant by covering it, but the cover goes straight down because it's the soil that we're trying to get the heat from. Uh, Now, the next step would be putting a source of heat underneath there. And that's where things get a little challenging. I would not use a heater, it's way too hot and there's, there's just a lot of potential for problems. Uh, I've seen pictures of folks that used electrical things out around a tree that was covered, and there was some tall dry grass, and guess what? Uh, the tree kept warm uh, until the fire went out. Uh, but anyway, that that's not a good thing. So you want to be very careful with any kind of electrical. If there's an open uh, plug between, you know, between the whatever you're using for warmth, and the extension cord, for example. Fortunately, again, we're not dealing with rain, because that's another complication, but just be very careful with electrical things. And uh, I need to stop and take a call, and then I'm gonna come back on this heating. Uh, Let's go to the phones now and talk to Susan. Hello, Susan.
2: Hello, Skip, how are you? I'm doing
0: well. What's up?
2: I am a little bit north of you, so this cold weather has already hit my house up in Hillsboro. Oh, wow. And get ready. (laughs) It's real. All
0: right. So yep. I have
2: a question. I um, got on a wild hare and decided to plant garlic. I planted some that I ordered so that I would have different varieties. I planted some that I bought at the grocery store, and I've got it in different locations. Now, mm-hmm. I've piled leaves on it, but the garlic just shot off, and I mean, I've got some that's 12 inches high, you mm-hmm. know, the greenery. Yeah. Um, is that okay in this weather? i
0: you know, I'm not a garlic and cold expert. I've never garlic in general does pretty good through the winter. Uh, we like to fall plant it uh, 17 or what? You're going to get colder than that, I guess. Uh, I would cover it. I would find some cover, and again, there you need that support in the middle, even if it's just a row of stakes that that are holding the the cover off off from crushing the garlic leaves, smashing them down. Uh, yeah. It's not going to kill them to do that, but it. It's not. It's as helpful.
2: Well, I I have put probably oh I don't know ten inches of leaves and mulch okay. and stuff on them, but okay. I still couldn't get all of it covered. Yeah. And I didn't know if it would just bite the tops of them off, and that would be fine because they grow garlic way up north. Yes. So yes. Surely it's right. But I didn't know. This is I, my you know, first and, time.
0: And I don't know either. That's, that's kinda what. That's kind of what I was saying. I I, I could. I probably take a minute uh but <laughs> i'm on the air to go uh do a search and find out uh just how cold garlic can take it uh but your leaves are a great idea that that's going to okay. be helpful yeah that that's going right. to be helpful so the the taller you get them even if you pull them off after the cold has passed uh the taller you get them the better okay all right all
2: well thank you very much
0: well thank you for the call susan our phone number eight four five five six eight nine eight four five fifty six eighty nine or by email at garden success at t a m u dot e d u so we were talking about uh, a a warmth source and what I use around uh plants that are larger and more precious you know something like a citrus tree you paid a little bit for that uh, that that or if you if you have something else that you're concerned about the cold on. Uh, I will take those uh, clamp-on lamps that have the aluminum shield and I will put those around there. Sometimes you need a stake to clamp the clamp onto. Uh, But you don't want to shine that lamp right against the trunk or branches because an incandescent bulb will produce quite a bit of heat and you can damage tissues from that. I generally point mine down toward the ground, uh, pull the mulch away as much as you can, Uh, Point it down toward the ground and then that heat can rise up underneath the cover. I use a 100 watt bulb most of the time. Now 100 watts is only going to produce a little bit of heat but again we don't have to make it warm under there. Uh, So that can be helpful and uh, 17 degrees I might put two of those one on each side. Uh, There's the uh, the, uh, mechanics lights you know that hang that can be used in in something like that. Uh, But just be really careful that no uh, fire danger uh, will will be created by whatever uh, you set up and do. Uh, I've gone also up to 150 watt, kind of a floodlight type thing. Uh, There are the heat lamps. They put the red light out and they put a lot out. And by the way, you need a, a fixture that can handle that. Some of the little dinky aluminum ones, a heat lamp, is a lot uh, for that fixture. It's not going to probably do well. Uh, so, but whoever sells you that can can direct you to the right one. Uh, but generally, we don't need the amount of heat that a heat lamp uh, produces, and so uh, I generally don't worry about that. But that is the best way I think uh, to provide some heat out there. You may have other plans and ideas. Uh, just to, again, wanna wanna warn you that with the electricity. That's that's a, a new creature we're dealing with. Now, some people recommend Christmas lights in the tree. And the old incandescent bulb-type Christmas lights produce warmth. Not a lot, but just a little bit. But when you're stringing lights all through a tree, you've are you got a lot going on under there. Uh, and so that would work. But not the newer lights that are LEDs. There's essentially no amount of heat that is significant coming out of those. Uh, And so you just need to make sure it's truly an incandescent type bulb uh, that can produce some heat. And the the larger bulbs as opposed to the smaller ones are a little bit better. I can't remember the number that they put. There's a a number, I think it's a C something uh, for those larger type bulbs. Uh, But that would be another good option. And I've seen people do that and it works. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about uh, the uh, mulch and the soil. One one thing that can be helpful, and I, uh, Susan was talking about piling up leaves over her, her uh, garlic, uh, a big, tall pile of leaves can be very helpful. I've seen people... Uh, pile bags of leaves around a fig tree, wall to wall, and almost create like a little leaf bag igloo uh, over the important parts of that tree. Uh, And that creates a dead air space and uh, can be helpful. A big, large ring of wire that you fill up with leaves would be another option. But remember that leaves that are larger, uh, air moves freely in between the leaves. And so uh, it's better if you can go with something that's denser. Shredding leaves up, of course, makes them a little bit denser. Uh, But at the base of the plant, piling soil around it uh, is really helpful. And you will see that in citrus orchards. And in places where citrus is commercially grown, when they have cold weather, they make a cone of soil up against the trunk. And that way, if they lose everything up above, that thing will come roaring out uh, when it's just like if you sawed the tree off at the top of that soil cone, uh, then here come all the buds and and you get a lot of fast growth because you got a nice big root system to support it. So it's not something you want, but at least you're not buying a new tree to go in that spot. Uh, compost can be mounded up like that with uh perennials. I I often put a mound of compost or a mound of shredded leaves. In fact, I'm gonna be adding some more of those to uh some plants that I have that I'm kinda of wanting to experiment with. I've got some uh, Lantana, which normally would get frozen back to the ground and I kind of worry about the crown of it. Uh, And then uh, Mexican Heather is uh, not a cold weather plant at all. Uh, But when we had the seven degrees in February 2021, I had Mexican Heather coming back out of the base. I couldn't believe it. But the reason is we had a cover of snow. Uh, And that blanket of snow acted like a blanket over them and held that soil warmth in right down at the base of the plant where there were buds that could sprout and regrow. And so that just reminds us, you know, snow is cold, but it didn't allow it to get below uh, maybe 32 or whatever the temperature was, and it, it survived through that. So keep that in mind, too. Let's see. We've talked about uh, electricity, warmth, and freezing and stuff. On most of our cold, and, and I realize we're talking about what are we going to do, you know, the next few days, but on most of our cold um, we just need to protect the plants for a short time. A typical freeze here in a Texas winter, it drops down below freezing at night. And by the time you get to seven or eight o'clock, it's already above freezing again. Well, that's a very short term. And even just wrapping a plant and slowing the drop in temperature could be helpful in that kind of thing. But we've got, we've got a rough one. Uh, for most cover things, when, when we see a frost or, or a freeze that's going to have wind and a freeze when the sky is clear, not cloudy, that's where things start to get really, really scary and where we begin to wonder if we're going to do enough to be able uh, to help it. Uh, I have used uh, containers of water uh, before. Uh, I typically do this in the spring. I like to plant tomatoes too early, earlier than I recommend people plant them uh, because I want to get a head start. Uh, And so I'll plant the tomato out and I'll put a gallon jug of water on each side of the tomato and a cover over the whole thing. Uh, And so you've got this tunnel row, like a giant long Quonset hut going down the row. And each plant has water around it. Well, water loses its heat uh, slower than the air does and so as you get colder and colder on the night it protects that plant by warming it you don't have to put hot water in the, in the gallon jugs just put water water in the gallon jugs and uh, I think that a, a gallon of water uh, re- releases about 8 BTUs of heat for each one degree drop in temperature so think about that I've also used five gallon buckets uh, for that, underneath a cover, uh, and it just is, again, a source of a little bit of warmth uh, that, that can help. 70, uh, 17 degrees, though, I'm, I'm not thinking that's going to give you a, a lot of uh, great uh, benefit. Uh, one other thing I want to mention about uh, cold protection, and, it, and it's more of a don't do this, uh, but it's the use of water to protect plants in the cold. You have probably seen pictures of like citrus orchards where they sprayed water on the trees and they're covered with ice in the morning. And they did that to get them through the cold. And there is a science to that that works. But our equipment is not sufficient in a home residential landscape to take care of that. And if it's a cold, clear sky, wind blowing night, it's not going to even help uh, when you do it all right. Uh, but if it's if you're just trying to protect the tissues, uh, what they do is they spray water on the lower branches, uh, not all over the whole tree, but up over the lower branches. And when water goes from solid or from liquid to solid, it releases heat. In fact, if you want to get nerdy, a cubic centimeter of water or a milliliter of water reduces one calorie when it changes from liquid to solid form. So if you think about this through the night, as long as liquid water is being sprayed onto even the ice that in t- inside of that ice where the, the branches and twigs and buds are does not go below 32, at least not significantly. And it's because you're constantly getting a release of a tiny bit of warmth around the outside of the ice. However, if you turn the water off, now the temperature can drop. And in fact, it works against you. Because in the morning, when the ice starts to melt, the opposite happens. It pulls one, uh, you know, one milliliter of water pulls one calorie of heat uh, out of that ice and super cools the inside of it. Now, I know that's that's hard to believe, but you can imagine that in your backyard, you're going to either end up with broken trees that, that just have ice loads they couldn't hold on the limbs, uh, which is a, a bad outcome. Uh, or you're going to have this giant swamp of wet soil uh, in addition to wasting water uh, that is also bad for the tree. Uh, but commercially, that can work a little bit. And I know, I know folks, uh, a lot of times I've gotten pushback, like, no, nah, that's not true, you know, about that calorie and the freezing and everything. But I'll tell you it is. If you grew up uh, back in the day when we cranked ice cream makers in the summer, do you all remember those? Uh, what did we do? We didn't just put ice around that ice cream in the central spinning canister. We put ice and salt. Why did we put salt? Well, salt caused the ice to melt. And as the ice melts, it draws heat out of that liquid ice cream spinning around inside eventually freezing it. So the combination of a melt, well, uh, actually the action of the melting ice is what froze those things. By the way, do you remember how tired your arm got trying to crank that thing over and over again? Maybe you had an electrical one, but those were wimpy and they bogged down and uh, they wouldn't make very firm ice cream. But anyway, I'm... Off, off in another subject. But you get the idea. That's how the principle works. Uh, but bottom line is, I can almost promise you that you will do more harm than good if you try to use water. Especially, In fact, I will promise you, if you do it on a night like we're going to have where it goes down to 17, that we got wind and we got a radiant clear sky, uh, no way, no way at all. And you'll be sorry you did. All right, well, that's the nerdy science of freezes. Um, I want to talk uh, about a free resource for you. Uh, if you go online to dot Agri-Life agrilifelearn.tamu.edu. All these sites I'm recommending are always ending in at tamu.edu, or uh, .tamu.edu, not at, that's email. Uh, so Learn one word, .tamu.edu. Dot edu you can search for free publications there on all kinds of things if you go to the search bar and you type in frost the word frost and the word freeze uh, you will get you have, may have to scroll down a little bit but you'll see a publication that is called protecting landscapes and horticulture crops from frosts and freezes. Uh, Dr. Mani Nesbitt uh, and I wrote that uh, a good while back, Uh, but it has a lot of information on all the things that I've been telling you about, and talking to you about, and even more. So if you kinda like the nerd stuff, uh, you can get even more of that in here. But it also has some diagrams, some very practical things that will help guide you. Uh, But that's part of the AgriLife Learn website, and even if you don't go there to get this frost freeze publication, uh, you can go there to get all kinds of helpful publications from AgriLife on a wide variety of topics beyond just uh, horticulture and plants. OK, I think I have, um, what did I say, beat that horse to death. Uh, so I'm going to leave the frost freeze. But hey, if you got a question on frost freezes, feel free to call in. Uh, actually, I lied. I'm going to come back to it for one more comment. <laughs> Um, and that is containers I forgot to talk about containers in fact we had an email from Matt about a lime tree that's in a container and in the garage and they're going to be away from from the house uh, during this freeze and so you know what uh, what about that A garage is not heated space and it's going to get cold well generally it stays considerably warmer in a garage than outdoors if if it's not just wind blowing in in through some gap or opening uh, just because you've got again, the soil, which in this case is the concrete uh, down below that has that typical soil temperature. It's probably down in the, the what, mid to lower fifties when we're having cold. I don't know. I have to try that sometimes see how cold is concrete in a garage get. But anyway, that's some warmth. Uh, you can put a cover over it. I don't think in 17 degrees outside, uh, inside a closed garage, that you're going to need the cover, but it certainly wouldn't help hurt to put a clamp-on light or to wrap one of those uh, sections of electrical wiring that you put around a pipe to keep it from freezing. Maybe wrap that around at the surface of the soil, not not all through the plant itself and uh, let that warmth come up. Because limes are, are pretty cold sensitive. Uh, limes are, are not near the top of the list when it comes to citrus that we can grow here. By the way, I mentioned Satsuma. If you, if you like citrus, the hardiest the citrus that we would grow here is uh, kumquats uh, kumquats are the little small thumb sized orange fruit uh, typically used for marmalade in fact the skin in my opinion tastes better than the inside uh, but they're very citrusy uh, very citrusy uh, and so uh, they are hardier even than a, than a satsuma all right we see if we can officially leave that now give us a call at 979-845-5689 845-5689, or by email at gardensuccess at TAMU.edu, gardensuccess at Edu Got an email from uh, Bobby. Uh, Bobby has some fig trees uh, that are two years old outside in the ground. Boy, they look great, Bobby. Got little boxes around them with a lot of leaves for mulch. Now, uh, leaves are piled up against the base of the tree. Uh, so what I said earlier about leaves being loose, uh, allowing air to move through, it would be better if you could find something denser, like oh, you know, buy a bag of compost and, and dump it over the crown, the base of that fig plant, just so if it gets frozen back to there, you can protect it. I think the 17 is going to kill everything above ground that it can get to. So the next step would be to put a cover over them And uh, don't, you know, I would use big arches of PVC and make kind of an igloo. I've seen people use thicker PVC and make a box that they, it's like Tinker Toys, they could remember those. Tinker Toys where you uh, just take the PVC fixtures and you create a box that you can disassemble, you don't glue it together. You create the box and then you can dissemble it, store it, and then next winter have that box again that you can bring out and put a cover over over the box. Those pointed ends of the fig uh, might punch through on on plastic or something like that, especially if they're very woody. But that's all I would recommend uh, for that, Doug. I just either protect the base and, and give up the rest or try to get something... Uh, over the whole tree and get as much benefit as you can out of it. Let me know later on what you did and and uh, in the spring maybe how it how it turns out when they begin to grow back out again. Uh, I want to talk about a couple things that that are um, holiday related. Uh, you probably purchased uh, if you love to decorate this time of year, a poinsettia, or maybe one of those rosemarys that's sheared into a topiary, or maybe you bought a cyclamen plant, uh cyclamen plant, and they, um, let's see, what are the, what are either, oh goodness, holiday cactus, Christmas and Thanksgiving cactus, uh, those are real popular during the holiday season. Uh, in order to keep everything as, as happy as you can, it needs to have light, and you need to get them in as much light as you can as much as you can. <laughs> so if you leave that topiary rosemary in until, I don't know, it's safe to go back outside. Uh, well, rosemary is actually pretty hardy. Uh, but anyway, uh, safe to go outside, then you're going to have all this long spindly growth. So the more you can give it light, set it out in the sun, in the light on days when it's not going to be below, oh, I don't know, let's say freezing. It can take a little below freezing, but not much. Uh, but anyway, that rosemary is a good plant to have. <coughs> rosemary is very drought tolerant. Uh, it's, it's an herb. It smells good. And it makes a nice little evergreen bush. So that's the one of those holiday plants that I would take the best care of because it's going to give you years of pleasure from that. Uh, Christmas cactus can also be grown for years. It's quite hardy. Now don't let the name cactus fool you. It's not from the arid deserts, uh, but it's from a, an environment that gets more moisture than that. So while it can take drying out a little bit, uh, when it has blooms on it, it cannot dry out at all. Those blooms will, it'll cast them off. Um, so don't let them dry out at all. Uh, if you, if you, um, uh, get it outside during the summer and growing season. It will do just fine. I put mine in a very bright shady spot, kind of sort of like underneath a, a covered uh, porch or area like that or hanging under a tree. And watered enough to keep it moist periodically so that it grows. Uh, those are quite quite tolerant of our conditions, uh, except for the freezes, of course. When it gets down into the maybe lower 50s or 55 or so at night, uh, I'll bring my Christmas cactus in so they can set their buds and bloom. But that's another good one to take care of. Now, poinsettias, I know people that have kept them successfully for several years, but you go to great lengths to do that. It'd be kind of like wanting to have a banana plant. Uh, can you keep it alive here? Yes, but, uh, you know, the butt is a, a, a big one because there's, there's a lot of issues trying to keep that thing warm enough to survive. So I would say make that a discardable plant, but if you want to keep it looking good, keep the soil moist, not soggy, wet. Soggy, wet kills plants. And especially these houseplants, and poinsettias is the is, 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 uh, same category. Uh, so you want to make sure and keep it moist, give it good light, and I think you'll have a, a good longer time uh, that you can enjoy that. Uh, our phone number, 845-5689, 845-5689, or by email, success at tamu.edu. Talking about uh, holiday plants, uh, one that I've probably never talked about to my recollection is mistletoe. Uh, mistletoe, of course, is, is uh, you know famous for a uh, plant to bring indoors and hang over the, the, the uh, doorway in hopes of getting a kiss uh, because somehow it, it uh, is uh, magical uh, in that way. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about mistletoe. Uh, it's a, it's a, a parasite of trees. It's, it's a, I'll call it a maybe a partial parasite. Uh, many things that are parasites draw everything from that plant. You know, dodder is a, a bad weed that attaches to plants and just gets everything it needs from the plant. Uh, mistletoe gets its roots inside the branches of the tree, uh, but it's looking for some water and nutrient only. Uh, it's a green plant, and it's able to photosynthesize, make its own carbohydrates. So it's not taking what we call the f- true food of the plant, the carbohydrates that the leaves make. It's not taking that away, but it is taking water and nutrients. The branch gets swollen, and it kind of looks bad, especially when all the leaves fall off and you got mistletoe all over the place. Uh, mistletoe is spread um, mostly by birds. Uh, they eat the berries, and that's one of—if uh, you were going to look at mistletoe, I would say it's a, a mixed— uh, Blessing with the maybe the jury's kind of out. Is it a good or is it a bad? Well, if you like if you like having it for holidays, I guess in that sense it's good. Uh, it's not good for the tree, but a lot of birds rely on mistletoe berries as a food source, and uh, deer, for example, will also feed on mistletoe when when other options are kind of scarce. Um, so. You know, it, it, it does have those uh, advantages. Uh, but uh, the berries themselves are poisonous. Uh, I don't think they're as, as poisonous as some plants can be. At least that's the mistletoe that we have here. There's a lot of types of mistletoe. Uh, but uh, you certainly wouldn't want children to be eating the berries of that, so keep that in mind. Also of interest is mistletoe is a dioecious plant. There's another nerd alert. Dioecious means that there are separate male and female plants. One plant is either male or it's female, and the female is the one that produces the berries. Uh, generally our berries here are white, but you can with other species they can be pink or reddish or something like that. But there is another way that mistletoe can get its seeds. Uh, from one plant to the other. Way number one first was the birds eat the, the berries, and then they go do their bird droppings on another tree as they're sitting there in the tree, and that puts the seed right on the branch where it can germinate and go in and create that mistletoe plant. The other way is the berries can explode. Uh, they literally uh, build up pressure, and in, in there's liquid inside and a seed, And when the skin bursts, it can shoot that out. I'm now. (laughs) I was looking at some agri or excuse me some extension resources from around the around the country on this, and uh, it said up like a cannonball up to 60 miles per hour to a distance as far as 50 feet. I I got to see that. I, I I saw a picture of of one coming out of the I mean and it is just like a rocket coming out of um, or a or a cannonball coming out of a cannon. Uh, but that's another way. And the seeds are, have a sticky substance on them and so whenever they hit something they kind of stick to it and uh, then they can begin to germinate and grow. So a lot of mistletoe information on that holiday plant, but uh, I know that a lot of our listeners are very interested in the science of things, and uh, maybe you're not as nerdy as I am about it, but uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, let's see, we got time for another call, if someone would like to call in, it's eight four five five six eight nine. Out of the, uh, this area, you can call 979 845 5689 or by email, garden success at tamu.edu. Garden success at tamu.edu. Out in the vegetable garden, we are in that kind of uh, dead cell that, that occurs pretty much in December. There are a few things that we can keep planting if we can protect them. But nothing's going to grow a lot because it's getting cold enough to where the growth has slowed down quite a bit. Uh, And again, with people getting busy with the holidays, there's just not a lot of gardening typically going on in most households. Uh, Once we get to January, everything opens up again. Uh, We begin planting um, uh, things like uh, cabbage transplants, uh, broccoli, collards, and kale, uh, for example, uh, will come uh, the kale and cabbage are the hardiest, and then uh, Brussels sprouts and broccoli and uh, cauliflower uh, in, uh, are coming a little bit later in January. And uh, those are all transplants. Uh, we begin again planting all the root crops and stuff as we get into January. And if you want to grow artichokes, January and February are a good time to plant dormant crowns. Now, you can buy, remember how I said the base of the plant is the crown? Well, they will take an artichoke plant, dig it up, cut off all the leaves, cut off the roots, and sell you that. It's a dorm, it's like a bare root rose, I guess. Uh, but the dormant crowns, and you put them in the ground, uh, Those instructions on how to do that, and they grow and will uh, eventually uh, produce some artichokes. Uh, you want to get them in and going as early as you can. Uh, the artichokes are not completely winter hardy. So while they can take a little cold, you need to be able to cover them up when we're going to have anything other than a very light freeze but you can enjoy artichokes. Uh, another plant uh, that's like that, that isn't grown hardly at all in vegetable gardens is cardoon. Uh, cardoon, is, it looks just like artichokes to most people. Uh, if you get to looking at the two, you can see the difference. But both of those produce a little thistle-like bloom stalk, uh, in the case of the artichoke, that this, like bloom stalk, becomes the artichoke head that you buy at the grocery store. Uh, and in the case of cardoon, uh, it's just pretty to look at, but it, it doesn't create an edible structure. With cardoon, it's the, the petioles, the central parts of the leaf, that are eaten. Now, some people have a reaction to that to cardoon. It's kind of like fava beans. They're they're not for everybody, um, but uh, for a lot of people, the the cardoon on the younger, tender leaves. Those petioles are another tasty thing that could be used uh, in in your food preparations. So just something uh, to be thinking about there. We're about to enter the time where we um, plant fruit trees. If you purchased a citrus tree, I would recommend you keep it inside uh, and, uh, and and protect it until we get through the winter and then put it out. That's just kind of hedging your bet. But fruit trees that are either container grown or for a very short time in January and February, we can plant bare root fruit trees, which are a little less expensive in most cases, uh, and they do just fine. Uh, when a, you plant a bare root tree, you want to make sure and get soil all around the roots. Dig the hole only as deep as it's going to sit, and it should sit at the same height or same level of soil when you finish planting as it was growing previously. And you can look at the base of the trunk and see the soil line and know how deep to plant it. I fill the the whole partly with soil around the roots, water it to kind of settle the soil in, fill some more, water it again, fill it all the rest of the way, and then give it another watering. Uh, But we're entering uh, fruit tree planting season. We'll be entering rose planting season as well as we get past the first of the year, kind of off into January and especially February for roses. That's the the famous time, but you can plant roses right now if you want. Uh, But those are some things to consider. Uh, I want to talk a little bit on the cold uh, about uh, some of the container, container plants themselves that are outside. If you have a container plant outside, realize that that root, zone the the potting mix or growing mix in the pot and the roots are going to get about as cold as the air gets and that's too cold Uh, so even you know if the top were to survive maybe the roots wouldn't uh, in that kind of condition and so we don't want to take any chances with 17 degrees you want to get those things into a protected location if you don't have an indoor location you can put them put them right up against the house typically are best on the south side, clump them together tightly and then throw a whole lot of leaves over the whole mess and let the soil and the warmth even of the home uh, help protect those. If you can get them into a garage, that's even better. Uh, And don't um, mess up your back. Uh, It is really easy to get a hand truck or a dolly as they're called. Slip it under the edge of the pot, put a strap around it. Uh, tie it on one side of the dolly, go around the pot and tie it on the other side, and then all you do is just kind of lean back. No stooping at all there. Just lean back and roll that thing right to where it goes. It's very, very easy. It takes all the work out of it. I mean, if you can move a refrigerator, for crying out loud, you can certainly move a, a pot uh, out there on your um, patio the same way. But just remember that uh, with, with 17 degrees, that's, that's, that's too much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a chance uh, on my plants when you're having that kind of temperature. Uh, because the uh, January and February are big times to plant vegetables, they're also big times to plant fruit trees uh, and shrubs still, um, we want to do all we can to prepare the soil ahead of time. So the sooner you do it, the better... But mixing some compost into the soil, buying a soil mix, one of those bed mixes from a soil yard, uh, is another option, and a good one, by the way. It's already mixed up for you. Uh, And creating a bed that they can grow in. Uh, You don't want to put that stuff in the planting hole, but you can amend the entire bed and create a nicer soil blend where the roots go all out into that bed uh, and get ready for the planting. So that would be one thing if you kind of get, I don't know, cabin fever a little bit at some point here, uh, that would be one thing that you might consider is, is ordering Uh, some material like that to be uh, dumped at the house or going and buying it by the bag uh, and getting ready to do uh, that soil prep. Well, we're about out of time, but I want to wish you all a very, very blessed and enjoyable and restful holiday season. Uh, Thank you for listening to Garden Success. I want to remind you that the past shows are available online at the KAMU-FM website. And you can also listen to podcasts. Most of the podcast carriers that I've checked uh, are carrying Garden Success. And so you can download those and listen to them anytime you want. Or go back and listen to a couple if you want to. By the way, we've got a really good show coming up next Thursday. I'm going to give 50 common mistakes that I see made in the landscaping garden and the right way to do them all. So I think it'll be one. Even if you don't get to listen to it live, you'll want to come back and listen to uh, Again. Thank you for being a listener, and we look forward again to getting back with you again as we get into early January.